Hi. Welcome to CallCast episode 3. Today I will be talking mostly about movies. I think um, my history with cinema is not that known. It's not that well known by you guys. So let me help you know it. Okay, so first off, I found my parents' video camera when I was like five or six. It's like a, those one of those tape ones. And we would just film stuff. Oh, it's probably seven or eight. Doesn't matter. I would film stuff with my friends all the time. Like we'd be jumping on the trampoline, playing out front, whatever. It was filmed. None of that footage do I have. I moved to Brazil. My parents took my family to Brazil. We still have the video camera. I start making funny videos there with friends that I discovered there in two different languages. None of that footage do I have anymore either. And then I got my own video camera at I think 13 or 14. And unfortunately I broke it when I was like 15. But I used the hell out of that camera. Oh, I haven't taken my pills for the day. So I use that camera for both personal and professional things. Filming with my siblings, filming with my friends, filming with... uh... There was one project that I was contracted for... And they showed it in a mayor's office to show some place that they were going to, like, build a building. And so that was kind of cool to have my stuff be seen. And then I started filming at this one summer camp. I started working there on the media team. Now, at this summer camp, I was there for every summer, eight summers in a row. I was there uh, for... I might have missed one when I was on furlough in the States, but anyways... My first time going there, I didn't know the language, as I mentioned last episode. I got there, and the camp director, when my mom came to pick me up at the end of the week, said, I watched your son go from group to group to group to group and conquer the hearts of everybody here at this camp. And he doesn't know the language. Like, obviously, in the week, I definitely learned stuff, but I... Uh, don't really know how to explain that. Uh, and there's this one story that is probably really hard to believe, but it actually happened. After my one skit that I talked about in the last episode, where they're like teaching me Portuguese wrong. It was called like Portuguese Class 101. I think I still have the script. Wait! Wait! I think I still have the script. Where would I have it? Where would it be? If I had it, where would it be? Where would I think it is if I was it? Was where it is. Okay, I don't know. I don't know where I put it. But I still have the script. I just found it because my my aunt printed it off for me. Printed it off for me. After I performed this skit, people were treating me like a celebrity at this camp. And when I mean people, I mean all of the other kids. So, Rabbit Trail. They called me Thomas in Brazil because nobody could say Colin. They all said Colleen. And so, uh, my name, I went by Thomas, which is my second name, my middle name. I remember leaving the gymnasium where we did the skits. There was a lot of ruckus that happened. And then I ended up at the top of my cabin where I was staying. There was like a big open window. And I remember just being at that window, being goofy for like half of the camp. They're all stationed right outside my cabin. And I'm goofing off. And at one point, all of them start cheering, Thomas, Unasuhei, Thomas, Unasuhei, which means Colin, our king. Hard to believe. I was like literally 11 years old. But my presence at that camp had such an impact from that 2007 to 2014. So I started working at that camp once I became of age. On the media team, I had my video camera. I'm rocking out like 12 weeks 
of video content every week, sometimes twice a week. That's a 10 to 15 minute video that I'm like filming every day and editing at night. So I've always had this inclination for like moments to capture on film, how to edit them, music to put to them so that I can showcase it and, uh, and bounce myself off the feedback that I'm getting. When I say bounce myself, I mean like learn what to do and what not to do just even more, even tightly. Tightly are, please, grammar. Um, what else? You don't even realize the stench that's going to be produced in about three, two, nope, it was quicker than my counting, actually. Whoa, Santa Corona de mi papi, tu precisas morir. That was like a mixture of Portuguese and Spanish together. I, I slip in and out. When I speak, uh, I'll, I'll slip in and out of Portuguese and Spanish there. Gag, you maggot! Good thing I can't smell. Because <laughs> that would change the whole meaning of that. Oh, humor. Anyways, so I worked at this camp for only two, two uh, years. The last two years that I was in Brazil, and then I came back to the States. But before I get into all that, going back to the States and going to college, uh, my time in Brazil it was is significant to me. It was eight years. Okay, five and seven and a half. And I don't know quite how to put that whole experience into words, man. I learned a second language. I met so many people. I was going to two or three different youth groups all at the same time. It was like Saturday afternoon, Saturday evening, and then Sunday. I was at the mall probably every other day with my friends. We'd go see movies or we'd just chill in the food court and like get fat. And that was a lot of what I did in Brazil. I loved the summer camp, dude. I was on stage doing skits, doing dances constantly. I, I loved the attention. That particular video camera that I had at that camp, I took to the States with me. Now, 2013 summer, I scouted a college in Grand Rapids, Michigan called Compass College of Cinematic Arts. It was a Christian film school, and my mom made sure of that. She actually cried at the pamphlet of how Christian it was. <laughs> so I go there... And my intent, the whole plan, because I'm going with a friend of mine, Tristan Melu. I'm going with a friend. I've known him since I was uh, six, seven years old, probably uh, younger. I mean, I went to his church for the first time when I was eh, probably that age. Yeah, math. But uh, so I convince him. I mean, I don't convince him. My mom told his mom about this school and Tristan got really excited based off of what his mom told her that my mom told him that my, I told my mom. <laughs> That is, uh, that smell is still lingering, honestly. The plan is to go to this school for one year and do two years of school in one singular year. That is year-round. That's three semesters of 24 credit semesters. If you go to college, 24 credits is a lot. It is nonstop class, nonstop uh, film sets, nonstop homework. I mean, your time is taken up. Your time is taken up. They said, do not get a job. Do not have a job while you're going to school for this one year. I go to school for that one year, and I graduate along with Tristan and like 18 other students of ours, fellow students of ours, colleagues. Ah. Tristan decided to go back to Washington, where he's from. I'm from Oregon, which sits right below Washington, as you might or might not know. I don't know what you know. We had driven there from Washington I drove from Oregon to Washington, and then Washington to 
Grand Rapids, Michigan. That was three days. Like 28 hours of driving. 29! I've made that drive twice now. Because I drove back to, stayed for three weeks. My older brother got married during that time. I then chose to go back to Michigan to go back to school for some reason. I know exactly why. And it was definitely my friends. The school did not have much incentive for me to go back there for the bachelor's program. I went for the associates. This time I was going for the bachelor's. And I really believed, believed, that you needed a bachelor's in order to get into the film industry. Not the film industry. So now I'm sitting here with all this debt going, well, I didn't even need this thing. Because you don't need a bachelor's to be on TikTok, dude. You don't need a bachelor's to have a podcast. But my school never taught anything that was social media. It was not updated to that degree. It was like, get a job as a production assistant, which is the lowest man on the totem pole. Uh, work your way up on a film set, on a TV show, something like that. Do, do short films, just like constantly submit them to film festivals. Get your name out there. Don't post. They said don't post your short films to YouTube because you don't want to give your content out there for free. But what they don't realize is that YouTube is how you get yourself out there in the first place, man. And I was too involved in my social life that I had at college to really grasp the intellectual like marketing business side of what they were trying to teach us too. Uh, I was bad at my homework. We also had to take a lot of gen ed classes for it to be qualified as a Christian school. So like science, math, grammar, uh, like three different Bible courses. And a lot of my friends had no idea it was a Christian school, dude. There were Jewish people. There were atheists. There were a lot. I mean, every walks of life, every walk of life was there at the school. And some of them felt pretty duped. Like they had no idea it was this faith-based. So that caused a lot of strife amongst the student body. I think probably every year because new students just like piled in there all the time. But I got the same amount of attention that I got in Brazil. But by much less people. But the same kind of intensity. It was like Brazil was the amount of people. There were so many people. And for Michigan, it was the intensity of the relationships. Because yes, we were different walks of life. But we were all there for films specifically. All of us had some connection to movie making, acting, directing, screenwriting, scoring, sound design, editing... You name it. There were positions to fill on every set. We we spent, as a student body, we spent 1,500 hours on different film sets. That is separate from the amount of time that we spent in the classroom or at school at all for, like, auditions. And then homework. You got all the homework. Plus, entering into the bachelor's, you then need a job. So you have to get a job. And the jobs that I got were super crappy, dude. I got one at Tim Hortons that lasted two months. <laughs> I got one at AutoZone that was seven months. It ended with me just like blocking my boss. Just like mass blocking everybody. I was like, I'm never coming back. That was awful. That was a horrible experience. It was the smallest AutoZone in the company. <laughs> but dude, literally how they trained us. Okay, I'm going to go on a little bit of an AutoZone rant. Uh, how they trained us. They trained us with like 12 people, right? I'm there. 
and they're teaching us how to use this machine that checks the batarang or whatever the hell it's called. And I am in the back like this. Like, like I'm not being trained. This is a field trip. Are you kidding me? I'm not going to learn. I'm not going to be able to like, oh, they just didn't train me. My boss literally asked me before it was my boss in the interview. He said, uh, what would you do if I needed a uh, tune-up on my car? And I was like, well, probably uh, check the uh, rams and maybe the spark plugs or something. Something intelligent. And he goes, yeah, uh, none of that has to do with, uh, with a tune-up at all. So I would recommend that you don't ever talk about that again. That's not necessarily what he said, but um, so that was embarrassing because I, I don't remember what I listed off, but I had listed off several things that had, apparently had nothing to do with the tune-up. I was just like, what car parts do I know about? So that was a horrible job. Plus, that boss is the best boss I've ever had. Ever. To, to date. Four, five weeks in, he's gone. He leaves. He brings in this woman. And now this woman is in charge, and I can't stand her. It's the opposite of the best boss that I've ever had. What? The... And so she was why I left. I would have totally kept the job had he been there. Shout out to Alex. So all this is going on. He's getting these jobs, these bad jobs during school, during the bachelor's. And what I didn't know is the bachelor's program was going to mix me and my friends up. I wasn't even going to see him really because they were at school different days than me. Things were staggered now and I didn't I didn't anticipate that at all. So I went and did school for another 5 semesters, which is kind of astounding to me still. Cuz it wouldn't have been hard to just after the first semester realizing things are different just be like, "All right, never mind." Never mind. But I was just really fearful of losing that friend group that I had made. There's just something about college friends. And when you're all in moving in the same direction together, there's just something about that. Because you're all there for the same purpose, the same interest. You can just connect so deeply on that. Movies. I mean, the amount of movies I watched with my friends that they introduced me to. I guess that brings me to my top five, dude. My top five favorite movies I think I have to talk about. Because I have seen myself as a visual artist since I discovered that first videotape. Videotape player? Videotaper. Whatever. Videotapist? I'm a videotapist. Meh. Not the best. Never end something with an ist. Not, not after what we know. <laughs> and I've practiced the craft enough. My teacher, my film history teacher, showed a image on the screen one time and it had the word practice on the screen 555 times practice 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 and he i don't remember the name of the filmmaker that he was referring to but it was back in the 20s 1920s that this guy was making movies and he made 555 movies practicing his craft and and I loved that so much. That's one of the biggest moments I ever took away from that class was just the amount of practice that it does take. I consider TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, writing my scripts to all be just practice, practice, practice my craft. 
film school really did set a fire under me out of total passion for this art form, this language. Dude, like, film is a language, and it is so beautiful when you're when you develop fluency in it it can become absolutely beautiful and completely applicable to life filmmakers that showcase the human condition and what we all experience as humans on the screen through their writing and their acting and the screen dude some of these movies are just absolutely phenomenal really as an artist like these movies absolutely touched my soul in a way that I was completely with the main character as he went through his... Usually they're coming-of-age tales. They're coming-of-age stories. So I'm going to list some off for you. I'm going to go with number five. And it does not mean that it's like number five. All of these movies are on the same plane to me. They don't go like this. There's no incline, decline. They're all on the same plane to me. So let me list them. I'm going to say Black Swan. Dude, when I first watched Black Swan, <laughs> the immediate captivation of my emotions that it just, I mean, it reached out and was like, here, I have full control. <laughs> and it really did. I am with the character of Nina the whole movie. Natalie Portman, Darren Aronofsky, you got Mila Kunis, and I, I, I can't remember the, his name right now, but he's a French actor, and he is absolutely incredible. Uh, what is his name? He was in the Oceans trilogy as the Fox. You guys might recognize that. I'm trying to... Uh, he grew up doing French movies, and then came over to America, and I, I love him so much. I wish I could remember his name right now. But I don't want to look it up, so I would rather either demonstrate that I'm respecting him enough to remember his name or not, and apparently I'm not, so I apologize there, but... Absolutely incredible performance. Just live a little. That's a line that he says that means a lot to me. Just live a little. So Black Swan. I mean, let me know if you have or have not seen it. And once you have, please relay your opinion to me. So the next one that I'm going to talk about is American Beauty. Which I understand if you're like a Kevin Spacey hater right now. I completely get the sentiment there, understandably. And I still don't quite know what I feel about it. I'm not sure if I've watched the movie since his allegations came out. Maybe I have once. That movie and how and when I discovered it was just so meaningful to me. So I don't know how I can just automatically negate just the power of that movie. That movie says a lot for love and art and passion and greed and desire and substance abuse and jealousy and power. <laughs> I mean, it's talking about all of these things. And the writing, dude. I mean, Sam Mendes is one of my favorite directors ever. And to think that so much of this movie was left on the cutting room floor, too. Like, the movie is like two and a half hours in its originality, but I think they had to cut it down to just over two. But I love American Beauty, dude. That is such a... I, I just have just warm feelings for that movie. I really do. All right, so next one, I'm gonna, number three, I'm going to go with Children of Men. If you guys have not seen this movie, directed by Alfonso Cuaron, who did Harry Potter 3, he did Gravity, this movie is so well done. 
It is action-packed, a, an extremely compelling story. The premise is that the world, what's the word that I'm looking for? The world is not celibate. That's not quite it. Infertile. Infertile. I don't know why I'm shouting that word at midnight in my apartment. The world has become infertile. I think I'm using that correctly. No children have been born in 18 years. 18 years, nobody's been born. So what happens to the world? Begs the question of the film. Check it out, dude. Children of Men, so brilliantly done. Um, uh, Clive Owen, you got um, Sir uh, Sir frickin' um, Moynines. Moynines. What's his name? Alfred, come on! Colin? Think of the guy, think of the foreign guy's name! Oh my gosh. Who played Alfred if Batman Begins? I can't help you with that on Mac. You are! Are you going to make me look it up? I'm going to have to look up the other, the Black Swan guy's name too. Michael, Michael Cat, Michael Cat, Michael Cat. Nope, not really. It's, he's in the movie that I'm talking about. Okay, now we got to look up the other guy. Vincent Cassell. Jeez. Man. That gets me so just like mad when I can't think of it. <sighs> Great movie, check it out. Wait, the the there's a eight minute long take in the movie. I think it's eight minutes. It is just worth your time because they use long takes over and over and over. It's you get it, and if you've seen it, good for you. All right, we're getting down to number two and number one here. So number two, number two, I think I'm gonna say enemy, enemy is directed by Denis Villeneuve. His name, I know. He's my favorite director working today. He directed, he started out in America, I think with Prisoners. He just recently did Dune. He did Blade Runner 49 before that. He did Arrival. Sicario. The dude knows what's up. You need to go watch his French movies too. His first movie, Polytechnique, is about a mass shooting that happened in France. And it is gut-wrenching, dude. It's all in French. But it's Denis Villeneuve's, hey, whoa, whoa, Denis Villeneuve's uh, first feature movie, feature film. So, Enemy. It's with Jake Gyllenhaal. Nope. Yes. Wait. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yes. But he plays two different characters. And it is a mind-bending, twisted... Type of movie, man. If you haven't seen Enemy, so what, uh, what's his face? What's his name? <laughs> I never know their name. I'm like 50 50 batting average here. Um, <laughs> why was that so loud? Salamankete. Yes. So, prisoners. I said was his first movie. I was wrong. Enemy, he filmed before Prisoners. Then they paused. Filmed Prisoners, also with Jake Gyllenhaal and Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Beefy guy. Paul Dano. Dano, whatever. And that one black guy. <laughs> 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 uh, 
but then after Prisoners released, he went back to Enemy, edited that, and released that shiznit. Bite! That's how you do. My neighbors are flushing the toilet. My neighbor is driving his loud car. So, my number one movie is Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal. I keep referencing his movies. You think I like the guy or something? Directed by Dan Gilroy. This was Dan Gilroy's first movie. And he knocked it out of the park. The character of Lou Bloom. I rarely remember characters' names, but this character I definitely remember. Jake Gyllenhaal lost like 40, 45 pounds for the role. In doing so, he tried to represent a wolf with his character. With kind of like sunken in cheekbones and his eyes just like wide when he talks to you. And it is a look and a vibe that he definitely achieves playing this villain that we are rooting for the whole time. For some reason. He's horrible to these people. But it's where he starts and where he ends up that is the journey that is so fascinating to me. And all of these movies that I've listed are coming-of-age tales for one character. They start here, they end here, and it's all the beginning and the journey that that just makes it everything to me. Let me know if you guys have seen these movies. These cinematic masterpieces. I love them. I've seen them so many times. They inspire what I do, what I create, the types of movies that I'm going to be making... The characters that I'm going to be developing that are not perfect, man. They're not heroes. They're always anti-heroes. I, I try and create anti-heroes in my movies. Hopefully some of my fascination and past with cinema, with film, with digital media, with social media, with editing and all that stuff. Hopefully it clicks a little bit more and makes a little bit more sense with this history. It's a pretty generalized history. I just kind of utilized the video camera, the because I've had three or f- I've because I've had four different video cameras in my life so far, and I can track each phase of my life to which video camera I had during those times. But I always appreciate you guys' listening ear. I will check you guys next week. Peace.